G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Loving people isn't always easy. Sadly, not all of the words bounced around the Christmas table may have been loving this year. Or how about the never-ending politically charged social media posts from friends and family that you know will create drama if you respond? Thanks for joining listeners worldwide for Leading the Way. Up next, Dr. Michael Youssef offers a challenge to express selfless love for those in your life. Dr. Yusuf is teaching a short series rich with practical applications for life and relationships called The Truth About Love. You'll look at the familiar words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter of the Bible. In fact, so that Dr. Yusuf has just as much time as possible. Let's listen as he begins. Dr. Robertson McQuilkin, while serving as president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary, at the very height of his career, at the apex of his success, at the very pinnacle of his ministry, his wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And Dr. McWilkin said, I was faced with two divine callings. One, being the president of two schools, and the second, being the husband of my beloved Miriam. I could not do both. So he continued, he said, it took no great calculation to resign my position and give myself completely to the care of my beloved Miriam. McWilkin continued, he said, it's a matter of integrity. 42 years earlier, I had promised to be there for my wife in sickness and in health until death do us part. He said, since that happened, she is a delight, has been, will be a delight to me. He said, I don't have to care for her, I get to. It's high honor for such a wonderful person. Fifteen years ago exactly, when I read that story, it affected me like very few stories. And the book is called A Promise Kept, a story of unforgettable Love. Listen carefully, please. And I'm quoting here. Love is said to have evaporated if it is not mutual. If the other person does not communicate, if they don't carry their fair share of the load, or if it is not physical. When I hear the litany of essentials for happy marriage, I count off what my beloved Muriel can no longer contribute and contemplate how mysterious love is. End of quote. Beloved, listen to me very carefully. I'm not a historian, but I'm a student of history. And perhaps there is no generation that has watched with their own eyes a total and drastic and radical shift in culture like our generation. We are seeing it with our own eyes right here 
it is happening. And that is why this message is very important. This is the third in the series entitled The Truth About Love from that love manifesto that often used in weddings and seldom practiced and understood. And the Apostle Paul goes on to add six more colors to that spectrum. We saw in the last message that he basically gives us 15 colors to a rainbow, to a portrait, to a spectrum, and it is a portrait of love. It is indeed a portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Love does not delight in evil. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not delight in evil. As I said to you a moment ago, that we are living at a time of seeing firsthand, experiencing firsthand one of the greatest shift in culture. We are seeing it, how good is called evil and how evil is called good. We are seeing how right is called wrong and wrong is called right. We are seeing how before our very eyes, how our culture is substituting darkness for light. We're seeing it, how integrity is giving way to expedience, how loyalty is giving way to utilitarianism, how commitment is giving way to convenience. We are seeing it happening before our own eyes. And here's the problem, beloved friends. It is numbing us. It is numbing us toward understanding what biblical loyalty and love is all about. We have ceased to feel that sense of commitment that a word is given, a word is honored. A sense of commitment that a covenant is forever. A sense of commitment to understand what loyalty and commitment is all about. Among believers, what is rejoicing in evil? Oh, we call it harmless gossip. <laughs> we may call it sharing information. Who might call it inquiring? While in reality, we are delighting ourselves in the sin of others. There is one thing about gossip that you must never miss, that you must understand. Gossip would not exist if it did not have willing listeners. If someone would come to you with a juicy bit of gossip, and if you would say to that person, I don't want to hear that, I refuse to hear that, or have you talked to the person, or let's go together and talk to that person, if every believer would do that, gossip would end. Now, most often, gossipers, of course, don't want to do that. They don't want to be confronted if. When the love of Christ is poured into our hearts day in and day out, we would not delight in evil. We do not want to delight in sin. And our response to gossip will be, I will not allow my ears, I will not allow my soul to be the depository of such evil as gossip. But here's the problem. Listen to me. Here's the problem. There are many Christians who treat this sin very lightly. They treat it very, very lightly. While in reality, the sin of gossip is designed, listen to me, the sin of gossip is designed to uncover someone's weakness. That's designed to uncover someone's sin. Weaknesses and sin that person might not be aware of. And so, in reality, we are rejoicing in evil. And love, Paul said, 
does not rejoice in evil. Why? Because the very core of gossiping is gloating over the shortcomings and the sins of others. And since sin is hurtful to God, and since sin is an offense to God, we would be rejoicing in evil. And that's what makes gossip a sin. I want you to hear me right. If you cannot say something to the person, don't say it about the person. Love does not rejoice in evil. Secondly, actually this is number 11. Love rejoices in the truth. Now what's the truth here? The truth is not factual truth. Paul is not talking about factual truth. He is talking about the truth of the Word of God. He's talking about God's truth. He's talking about the revered Word of God. I know, and you know, if you are in the truth, false teachers and false teaching breaks your heart. And if it doesn't break your heart, there's something wrong with your faith. (laughs) And love must never, never, never tolerate or put up with false doctrine. Now, there's some people who think, of course, that, that love means ignoring the blatant disregard to the truth. Some people think that love means ignoring the marginalizing of the truth, which we're seeing all over the place. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is saying, while you must love the people who are in error, you must never say, well, because I love you, and therefore it doesn't matter what you believe. Oh, yes, it does. Because what a person believes can make a difference between spending eternity in heaven or in hell. So it matters. Pray, tell me, how in heaven's name would you see somebody is about to jump from a 10-story building and you say to them, well, you know, because I love you, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. You know, it's it's your life. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? And yet, there are some people who think love, meaning ignoring the truth. Winking at the truth, forgetting about the truth. And the Bible said, love, loves the truth. And so we ought to tell them that we love them enough to tell them that they can only make it to heaven based on the merits of Jesus Christ, not my own. Love is consistent with kindness, as we saw in the last message. But love is not consistent with compromising the Word of God. To say that it doesn't matter what you believe is not kindness. It is cruel and it's unkind. Love does not rejoice in evil. Twelve, love bears all things. What does that mean? Love bears all things. Does it mean this modern understanding or false teaching of tolerance? that is tolerating every perversion and every sin under the name of love? Absolutely not. There's some people who interpret it that way. But I can tell you, it would be inconsistent with everything that the New Testament stands for. Love bears all things means that you bear all things that are acceptable to God. That you love all things that are consistent with the righteousness of God. Love bears all things means that you bear things that are consistent with the commandments of God. Love bears all things, means that you gently and quietly warn others who are in error. It means that quietly and gently you correct others who are not in the truth. 
It means that quietly and gently you rebuke and discipline. First Peter 4, 8 said, Love covers a multitude of sins. How? By showing the person how their sins can be forgiven, how they can be restored, and how they can get rid of guilt. Thirteen, love believes all things. Does it mean we'll all become gullible? (laughs) No, that's not what he's saying at all. It means that you are not suspicious of everyone all the time. It means that you're not cynical of everything all the time. It means that you place a mantle over the wrongdoer so that he or she may have a chance to confess and be forgiven and be restored. Beloved, love is a harbor of trust. And that is why, that's why when trust is broken, listen to me, when trust is broken, relationships can get very, very, very difficult and complicated. But here's what love says. Love says, even though trust has been broken, even though trust has been betrayed, even though, I'll give you a second chance. I'll trust you again. I'll place confidence in you yet again. Number 14, love hopes all things. Here's something that I tell everybody that I talk to when they come to me with a difficulty in their life, especially when it's to do with somebody else. You and I must never, never give up on anyone. It doesn't matter how far he or she may have gone. It doesn't matter how deep they may have sunk. It doesn't matter how obnoxious they become. Love hopes in the grace of God. Love keeps on hoping in the grace of God. Love keeps on hoping in the mercy of God. Love keeps on hoping in the sovereignty of God. Love does not give up hope in Christ. Finally, 15 The 15th color in the rainbow, love endures all things. And the Apostle Paul left that to the end deliberately. These were not thrown up and like modern art, you know, just dump a bunch of colors and hope that it makes sense. No, no, no. Every word is a step in a letter. And Paul left the last one. Love endures all things deliberately to the end because of its vital importance. In fact... That word endure is taken from the military language. It's taken from the language of war, from the language of battle. And it is often used when a given army comes into a piece of land, a piece of territory, whether it's a fortress, whether it's a hill, and becomes an extremely strategic property. And therefore, they hung in there, do or die. They know that their future is dependent on their defending this territory. They know that their livelihood, that their future, that their very life is dependent on defending this territory. And therefore, every hardship, every difficulty, every suffering, every struggle is all worth it. Why? Because of the importance of holding onto this territory. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And this concept of enduring perhaps has no greater application than in a Christian marriage. 
love endures all things. That means that the Christian marriage is worth protecting at any cost. Listen, I know that the enemy is attacking Christian marriages today because the enemy knows that if he can destroy the Christian marriage, he can destroy the Christian church, and if he can destroy the Christian church, he has nobody to fight him. And therefore, the Christian marriage is to be protected at any price. Barring abuse, a Christian marriage must be protected. Why? Because when the love of Christ reigns supreme between a husband and wife, God will keep on pouring His Holy Spirit. He will keep on pouring His Holy Spirit for the marriage in order that it may withstand. It withstand the enemy's assault. It can withstand the temptation of the flesh. That it can withstand the desire to give up and surrender. Love endures all things. The last few verses of 1 Corinthians 13 the Apostle Paul goes on to say that in heaven there will be no need for faith. Why do you need faith? We need faith now because we don't see Jesus physically with our own eyes. But in heaven we will not need faith because we'll be seeing Him face to face. In heaven we're not going to need Bibles. Why do we need Bibles? Because the very Word of God, the Logos of God, the Lord Jesus Christ physically with us he goes on to say that in heaven, we're not going to need spiritual gifts. They become useless. That is why it is vitally important for us to use them now, because in heaven, they will have no use to us. But love will continue on to heaven, because there we will love perfectly, just as Jesus loves perfectly. But you know, as long as we live on this earth, Christ longs to pour his sacrificial love into our hearts so that we might love one another. We saw in the last message Jesus saying, this is how the world will know that you really are my disciples if you have loved one for another. And it is the desire of Jesus to keep on pouring his love in your heart and in my heart so that we can share it, give it away. You've heard me say every message that sacrificial love, true sacrificial love, cannot be manufactured. That sacrificial love cannot be produced. <laughs> that sacrificial love can only be received and then shared. And that's exactly the heart of the message to the believers. Before I conclude, I want to tell you this true story. It took place in England during the reign of Oliver Cromwell, Lord Protected of England. A young soldier was sentenced to death by Oliver Cromwell. And the decision was made on such a such day when the curfew bell rings, this young man was going to be beheaded. He was engaged to a young woman who loved him dearly. So she picked up her courage and went over to see Oliver Cromwell she went on her face before him at his feet. She pleaded, she begged to spare the life of her beloved, but to no avail. And so when the day came in which this young man is to be beheaded, the sexton pulled on the rope to ring the bell. 
but the bell wouldn't ring. He pulled harder, but the bell wouldn't ring. What happened? The young woman had climbed into the belfry. And she went inside the bell and she wrapped her body around the clapper. So every time the sexton would pull on the rope, the clapper would hit the bell, but it wouldn't ring. And she kept on hanging on the clapper, and she kept hanging on the clapper until it stopped swinging. And finally, they brought her down, bleeding from every inch of her body, bruised, smashed, crumbled, looks at her and says, greater love I've never witnessed and commuted her beloved sentence. Only Jesus Christ can give you and me this kind of love. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And it's yours for the asking, not just today, but a commitment to ask for the love of Christ to be poured into your life on a daily basis. And say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to give me this love so I can love my wife with it. Give me that kind of love so I might love my husband with it. Give me that kind of love so that I might love my children with it. Give me that kind of love so I might love my neighbor with it. Give me that kind of love so I might love my co-worker with it. Give me that kind of love that I might love my fellow member, believer with it. Give me that kind of love so that I can share it, even with the unlovable. Selfless Love is the title of Dr. Michael Yusuf's message on this episode of Leading the Way. I first heard about um, Dr. Michael Yusuf and Leading the Way when I was about six or seven years old. It was sort of evening time. Um, I was looking out the window and I just heard his voice coming through the radio that was in the room. I just felt peace and it just really, it really spoke to me. I just knew something was different that night. I wanted to be a Christian. I actually found my first Bible. I just started reading it. It kind of spoke to me, you know. I was reading it through all the the horrific things that were going on that summer. I was um, molested by a female au pair. Um, It was a summer of grooming. I was then raped again at the age of 10. There was a lot of sort of manipulation, sort of psychological, emotional, physical. After the incident, I stopped reading my Bible. I felt like I had sort of shut down a bit. I also realized, I think, that I was afraid of that spiritual intimacy Um, because having Jesus in your life, you are completely bare, you know? When I was age 33, I lost my job and I was about to wallow. I was gonna sit and just watch TV and I turned on the TV and I just had this voice telling me, just go to premiere. And it was like, how can I go to, how can I? But I did it anyway and who was on premiere? Dr. Michael Yusuf. It was the most epic thing. I, I couldn't believe it to feel reconnected because when I heard Dr. Michael Yusuf's voice again, I just felt like I'd come back home. I found that in understanding Jesus' love for us, it broke down some walls of intimacy I think I'd had for a long time. I had to to go through the process of of accepting Jesus in my life to deal with my grief. It was such a crisis point in my life because for a lot of people in society that have gone through what I've gone through as a child, it's so easy to give in. It's so easy to just go, my life has been really hard. I was abused, nobody believed me, and maybe this is my chance now to just wallow in the pain. 
and I was looking for something deeper. So when I could hear Dr. Michael Yusuf talking about rebuilding the walls, I was just hooked. I was captivated. That moment your eternal life has begun. I refer to Dr. Yusuf as my second dad because when I really needed a dad, these messages have hit me at the right time. And people didn't know I was falling apart. Uh, Dr. Michael Yusuf, thank you for everything that you've given up for being a pillar of strength when I couldn't face life myself. The way God has used you to breathe so much freshness into my life when um, all hope was really lost. Friends, we're so thankful that God uses Dr. Yusuf and leading the way to reach and equip men and women with the gospel. Learn more about Dr. Yusuf and the global work of leading the way when you call 1-300-133-589. You can also go to ltw.org and experience testimonies about the impact of leading the way worldwide. ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.